Hey everybody, welcome into the latest edition of the Postcast, production of the Casper Star Tribune and Pokes Authority. I am Davis Potter, Wyoming beat writer for the Star Tribune, and I'm joined, as I usually am, by our managing editor and former Wyoming beatnik, Brandon Foster. Uh, Brandon, I figure I would just open up by uh, asking you this, since everybody else is seemingly doing it, uh, have you entered the transfer portal yet? <laughs> no, but I have entered the Super League. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm planning to take some of the vacancies that have just opened, so... I've I've got a set of goalie gloves. I feel like that uh, qualifies me. Yeah, that uh, that went that went away real quick, didn't it? What that last like twenty less than twenty four hours? It did not last long enough for me to fully figure out what it was. So. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. You know, my idea of a super league would just be um, Wyoming and Colorado State forming its own two team league and just playing each other exclusively in every sport like have it just a 12 game football season but nothing but border wars i like it they should they should literally play on the border like <laughs> set up a volleyball net on either side or something just yeah yeah i uh, call it the uh i don't know i have no idea what you call it the uh sec2 why not uh, or the just border league make the, just the, the border league there you go take know. a Take note, Tom Berman. Get on it. <laughs> uh, okay, so, uh, by the way, speaking of the transfer portal, did you see the uh, the tweets that Dick Vitale put out? Um, <laughs> if I had a nickel no. every time I was asked that. No, I have, I have not. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, apparently he, he was tweeting about talking to a bunch of coaches um, about their concern with tampering. Um, which for anybody who listening doesn't know what that is, is basically when, when coaches at other schools start contacting players who aren't officially in the transfer portal yet. Um, but I, I just thought it was funny. I mean, look, first of all, I, I don't want to, you know, take tampering lightly. I mean, if you, uh, cause I mean, it is wrong. And if you, if you, uh, if you get caught doing it, you should, be penalized for it because it's always important to remember that you know schools at every level of the NCAA um, are mem- voluntary members of the NCAA. So you know these are rules that every NCAA school has agreed to. So if you're going to break those rules and you get caught doing it, you absolutely should be penalized for it. I just think it's funny, um, you know, sometimes what people uh, get caught up in a tizzy about and what they don't. I mean, wait till Dickie V finds out that a high-profile college basketball coach is on a federal wiretap talking about paying a player. You know, <laughs> he's going to have a heart attack. Yeah, um, I tampering I don't quite understand what qualifies because I, I, I imagine you have to be like – here, I'll throw you a segue. I imagine Marcus Williams – May, uh, I'm definitely not alleging anything, but he may have probably had an idea whether or not he could get into Texas A&M before he uh, decided to leave UW. I would imagine there sure. are at least some, you know, I, I don't know anything. I've never talked to Marcus in my life. I'm just saying, I imagine when you're making that switch, you don't do it entirely in the blind. Sure, right. Um, no, I agree. But, I mean, there's a difference between, like, okay, let's make sure that my academics or whatever lined up or they have enough scholarships where I fit in. There's a difference between that and, you know, having a bunch of coaches actually, like, reaching out to you. And, and look, who knows? But but that's also part of it, too, is, like, I, I, I like the fact that Dickie V acts like this is breaking news. Like, you know, the the tampering is not was not created because of the one-time transfer rule. I mean, coaches haven't just all of a sudden started doing this. I mean, this this might have been a relevant subject six or seven years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, but th- this, you know, it, it goes on. It's just a matter of, Hey, you, you know, you're going to get caught or not. But I, I would, I would think it, it's funny. I've, I've never seen him mention the fact that the NCAA probably needs to uh, address the situation uh, about a coach on a federal wiretap. I mean, if I, if I'm, if I'm the NCAA and I've got a to-do list in terms of handing out penalties for infractions, I would think the coach that is on a federal wiretap talking about paying a player, to come play for him would be number one. But, you know, of course, the NCAA doesn't – asking them to make sense of anything they do is, is a tall task. Yeah, I'm uh, starting to get the sense the NCAA is bad. Is that what we're <laughs> – is that what you're getting at here? Yeah. 
Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't... You heard it here first. Yeah, I don't know necessarily if the Insta Blade's bad. I do think the Insta Blade does a lot of good things. But just in terms of their their rules enforcement and what they choose to enforce, it's very selective. You know, I mean, every basketball coach or, or, or assistant coach that was caught up in that FBI investigation has been penalized um, except the one that was actually on a wiretap talking about paying a player money. Like, I mean, he was his punishment thus far has been the two games that, L, that LSU played, and we're obviously talking about Will Wade here, but the two games that LSU played in the NCAA tournament two years ago, which was handed down by the school, not the NCAA. I don't know. I, I, but anyway, back to the point. I just I thought it was funny, A, because it's like, you know, tampering's been going on for a while. Uh, and then, B, like, that's what you decide to get in a tizzy about when it comes to NCAA enforcement. I mean, I think that there would be a lot, uh, a lot more things above that. On, on the, again, on the on the to do list, but to get mad about anyway. Yeah, it's uh, it's an odd subject to be temper tampering about. <laughs> yeah, it's like I have uh, I've got no tampering content for you. <laughs> Um, but anyway, speaking of the transfer portal, uh, as you just mentioned, uh, Marcus Williams, the now former Wyoming point guard, uh, officially closed the door on any potential uh, of returning to Wyoming's program when he committed to Texas A&M over the weekend. So um, he is officially gone. And now I think uh, Wyoming is going you're, – or you're going to see Wyoming uh, get a little more active in the transfer portal because, look, unless Jeff Linder plans to move Hunter Maldonado or Xavier Ducell or, or another one of those those off guards that point isn't their primary position or unless he plans to let Ben Bowen, another true freshman coming in next year, uh, run the point, um, the replacement for Marcus at the point is not on their current roster. Speaking of that, if, if if you're a Utah basketball fan and you want to you know, keep track of who's coming, who's going, and um, you know who else might join the roster for next season, uh, I do have a roster slash scholarship tracker up at trip.com and postauthority.com with all that information, uh, including some reported targets that Wyoming has at least contacted in the transfer portal at this point. So, yeah, I, I think that's going to be the – the direction that they go, because like I said, I don't, I don't, I don't know right now if they have a true point guard on the roster. Yeah, I thought you were going to say if there are any University of Wyoming fans who want to try out for a point guard, then <laughs> here's the time and location. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how they're able to uh, make use of the the other half of you know this whole transfer situation. And um, yeah, I mean, as far as Marcus goes, I think uh, obviously it's no outcome is going to be especially uh, positive in, you know, UW's eyes since, you know, we already knew he was leaving, but at least this is not, I guess, the worst-case scenario. He's going to his home state. He's going to a Power 5 school. Like, maybe it's something you can live with a little bit more than, you know, if he were not doing those things and then you were getting a sense of, like, oh, uh, he just wanted to get out of Wyoming and uh, there's, you know, that situation wasn't working. So I guess that's... you know, very small positive there, and obviously, Marble transferred to play with his former coach. So at least two of the tra- the the two players that transferred, you know, went to very specific situations that maybe you can live with a little bit more. Yeah, no, I mean, like, like I think we mentioned last week. I mean, that that was pretty much expected that Marcus was going to um, sort of parlay that breakout freshman season he had at Wyoming into. Um, you know, an opportunity at the high major level, and that's what he's doing. Um, but mm-hmm. there has not been any more official movement um, on Wyoming's end as far as the transport portal goes. Now, that's that's as of early Wednesday afternoon as we record this podcast. Uh, so, obviously, th- th- this stuff is so fluid, it can change at any moment. But as of now, um, I mean, Wyoming officially has three players that, that they lost to to transfers, um, you know, since last season. Now, Drew Lamont was the very first one to go into the portal like five games in the last season. So, he, he's been gone for a while. So, really, I mean, and he wasn't that big of, of a contributor for them. Um, so, really, I mean, you, you consider the fact they really have two transfers that they've lost in terms of significant contributors for them. Um, that's pretty good compared to, uh, you know, the number that every other – program is losing i mean you know there's more than uh you know like 1400 um transfers in the portal uh just in men's basketball alone and you 
you know, you, you, there's 340 something Division One teams. I mean, you do the math. That's that's close to four or five transfers per team. So, I mean, right now they're on the low end of it. But again, I mean, this is this is so fluid, and all this stuff can can change at any moment. But they have two scholarships open now, and I would expect them to fill one, if not both of them. Um, for for next season's roster, either mm-hmm. through the transfer portal or, or maybe a late addition from from a high school kid, I, I don't know. But um, th- th- this whole thing is just it, it's going to get more fluid and more fluid now that that one time transfer rule is is all but official. Yeah, we're in uh, unprecedented territory in many regards. So we'll see how it plays out. Hey guys, I'm interrupting this podcast quickly to provide an update on Wyoming's basketball recruiting. Um, after we got done recording this podcast, the Cowboys picked up a commitment from Noah Reynolds, a six foot three, 195 pound point guard out of Peoria, Illinois, who is going to come to the Cowboys from the high school ranks, not the transfer portal. He was a high school senior this last year, so a late addition uh, from the prep ranks for Wyoming, and a guy who very well could be the replacement from Marcus Williams. Uh, so Wyoming has. Now, assuming that Noah follows through on his commitment and eventually sides with Wyoming, which is all but a formality at this point, um, you know, Wyoming will have used one of its last two scholarships. So Wyoming has one more scholarship available in the 2021 recruiting class should they choose to use it. Again, if you want to keep up with all the comings and goings of Wyoming's basketball roster uh, this offseason, uh, you check out our roster tracker at trib.com and pokesauthority.com. That will be updated throughout the offseason. Um, but it looks like now that Wyoming's picked up this commitment, they may finalize that uh, roster for next season a little quicker than anticipated. Now I'll return you to the rest of the podcast. Brandon, um, Go ahead and move on to uh, to some football. Um, Wyoming held its seventh spring practice on Tuesday, um, so we will we'll talk a little bit about that here in this first segment, and uh, specifically what what some of the coaches and players said after Tuesday's uh, practice during that media availability, and then in the second segment we'll we'll talk a little NFL draft uh, with this draft this year's draft coming up next week. Um, you know, I don't think Wyoming's going to have anybody drafted this year, uh, in part because, you know, they have so many of those seniors that have elected to return for another year at Wyoming. Uh, but, uh, we'll, we'll maybe look at, uh, who might be Wyoming's top draft prospects, uh, for the 2022 draft. But first of all, uh, you know, with, with spring football, we, we got our first chance to talk to, um, Jay Savell, Wyoming's second year defensive coordinator. Uh, probably the only time we'll talk to him this spring, we got talked to him Tuesday night along with uh, linebacker Charles Hicks and uh, Aiden Eberhart, their senior receiver. Um, and again, this this is all you know. It, it, with, with practices being closed, it's we sort of have to take you know what we're being told and and take these these comments from from the, the coaches and players for for what they're worth. Just because we, you know we we don't the media doesn't get to go out and watch any practices. We're not we don't get to see any of this stuff firsthand. But uh, you know, I think one of the, the, the things that, that Jay talked about is particularly with, with the opt-outs because Wyoming, five, five of the six players that opted out last season were on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, some of those were significant contributors for them. We talk about Ron Weber, who started uh, all but one game at safety back in 2019, and Solomon Bird, who led them in sacks that season and was probably going to be a starter opposite Garrett Crawl at that other defensive end spot. Uh, Mario Mora, who is their starting nose tackle. So getting some of those guys back. But Jay talked about the fact that, um, you know, it's going to take these guys a little while. I mean, he hasn't been disappointed with, with what he's seen from them. But, you know, he, he mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, when they opted out, that, that was it for them. They were away from the team, away from the facility. They Even if they weren't playing – since they weren't playing games and practicing, they, they still weren't allowed into the facility, you know, to, to, to lift and – and, uh, you know, watch film and do all that stuff. I mean, they were completely isolated away from the team. So they've really been away from the program since last October um, until, you know, they rejoined the team, I guess, during um, off-season workouts in January. So, you know, I think one of the quotes he used was, you know, you, you don't take six months off from running fast and then r- immediately run fast again. It's going to take these guys a little bit of time to – to get acclimated to what they're doing. But in terms of, of the defense overall, he did say that 
Um, you know, now entering a second year of the system, you know, in, in terms of knowing the playbook and, and the mental side of it, that most of, most of the guys are up to speed now and, and, and are more comfortable and they're now, you know, they're, they're, they're just reacting um, and, and not thinking so much. So, um, you know, that, that, that's some of the, the general stuff. And I, I don't want to get um, too much into what we talked about because I am still working on some stories and I'm going to be writing some some stories for trip.com and postauthority.com that uh, I do want people to, to check out. Um, so I don't want to give away too much here, but that's those are some of the, the general defensive takeaways I sort of took from it. Yeah, I, uh, I think it's really, you know, interesting to to hear the coach's input on, you know, where those opt-out players are at um, because, you know, you, you have players miss years to injury all the time, obviously, but this is, you know, if not a unique situation, a pretty pretty unusual one to have, you know, so many players who missed a whole year and, and weren't around the team. So I think, you know, obviously I'm not shocked that they would be uh, playing some catch-up, whether it's, uh, you know, working their way back up the depth chart or, like you said, just literally getting back in shape. But, I mean, uh, it also is, I mean, somewhat of a positive, I guess, that they're still around, right, that they, that they stuck out a year uh, where they didn't have, um, access to those facilities where they didn't have that, um, you know, culture of a team around them, and they were, you know, yeah. able to just be students for a year and, and didn't didn't hang up the cleats or, or leave or whatever it may be. So you know, it's good to see. I guess that they they made it through that, um, and you know, hopefully are uh, getting their wind back in their sails. Yeah, and then I I, th- I think one of some of the more interesting comments, honestly. Um, from, from, from Jay and even some of the, the defensive players uh, is about what the offense is doing and what it looks like, you know, under the new offensive coordinator, Tim Polisek. And, um, you know, talking to Charles Hicks, he said – and really every – just about every – whether it be defensive or offensive players that we've talked to this spring, the number one thing that, that keeps being repeated is, is energy. Seems to be a lot more energy on, on that side of the ball. Look, I don't know. Maybe that's just – um, more of, you know, having a new voice. Because, look, I mean, we, we've talked about before, and I've written about it, um, you know, Craig Bowen and Brent Vegan coached basically two decades together, going back to their time at North Dakota State. And, obviously, that includes all seven years that, that Craig's been at Wyoming. Um, you know, that that can get very, very repetitive and, and mundane just in terms of, of the, the same voice that you're hearing all the time. And so, you know, I mean, I think some of that's expected when you finally bring in somebody new um, that, that you know, these players, you know, anybody that's ever played at Wyoming under Craig Bowl, obviously that's our offensive player, I should say, that, you know, Brent Vegan's voice and the way he likes to do things is all they've ever known. So to bring in something new, you know, it's sort, I think it's sort of like a, a, a shock value almost, a shock to your system to get somebody in new after all of that time. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's just some of it. Um, the, the fact that when you have changes, obviously there's, there's going to be a different feel, a different voice, a, a different energy to an extent. Um, but, but I mean, that's really been emphasized uh, from, from, like I said, every, just about every player that we've talked to about the offense and maybe how it's different under Tim Bolasek. I mean, that, that's the first thing that they mentioned is there's just a, there's a real an energy and a, and, a, and a real positive energy and then just in terms of, I guess, I guess the, the, the system or the schemes, they've talked about how there's a lot more movement uh, in terms of formations and, and motions. And then one thing I did not expect to hear, <laughs> and, and I never really expected to be talking about in terms of a, of a Craig Bowl offense, is pace. Uh, Charles Hicks, a linebacker, actually said that, you know, that, that, that offense is moving really, really fast. Like, they're, I mean, they're – you know, they're getting done with one play and they're they're running up to the line and, and, and getting the ball snapped as fast as they can. And he actually, you know, said that, that he gets winded sometimes just trying to – because, you know, obviously with the offense lining up faster, it means the defense has to get lined up faster. And, um, you know, that that's something that, that just – I mean, that, that sort of took me back a little bit because the, Wyoming is known as a, as a – as a, you know, they, they huddle and they, you know, take their time. They're not, they're not a no-huddle hurry-up team. And and look, we'll, we'll, we'll get we're scheduled to talk to Tim Polisek on Thursday night following that practice. So um, we'll get maybe can ask him a little bit more exactly what that means and, and what they're doing in, in in terms of pace. But it certainly sounds like that they're that ties in with the energy and and, and just playing I guess a, a little bit faster and picking up the pace because this is a this is an offense that 
you know, is really, I mean, they've been you know, top 50 nationally in time of possession. I mean, you know, pace and, and going fast isn't necessarily what, what they're known mm-hmm. for running this pro-style offense. So very interesting to hear some of that. Yeah, and I'll be interested to see, uh, you know, how, how much of that is still around come this fall. I think at times there are certain teams and offenses that say that kind of stuff every every camp you know they're like oh man we're, we're going faster here we're gonna go faster and then you know come game one they're running the same offense but if if they are right. if they are doing that i mean because you gotta you gotta talk about something in spring ball right <laughs> and god forbid <laughs> you talk about any actual formations that you're running uh so i mean i think if, if they are actually implementing that that it that is interesting um you know we've i i don't know if we've talked about it on the pokes cast but i think it's come up a lot in the last five years on the basketball side of things about, you know, when, when Alan Edwards took over, um, he wanted to run this up-tempo style of, of basketball, uh, which was a, a pretty big contrast to the Larry Shiat speed. And, you know, part of that was, um, you know, I mean, there, there are teams that do that all over the country, run kind of that positionless basketball or whatever. But, but um, you know, yeah. part of it was to take advantage of the altitude and the fact that, hey, let's, let's – uh, get the other team winded and, and really have a home court advantage. Um, obviously, like you said, that hasn't been the MO with uh, Craig Bowl. You know, maybe saw more of it in the Dave Christensen era. But, um, you know, I'd, I'd uh, be interested to see how that plays out because I think there are times when you when teams do that well, and it's not something you think about as running the ball fast, right? But, um, you know, there are times when, like, a, a really good offense, you'll notice they're – wearing the defense down and all of a sudden they just start they start snapping the ball real early in the count they start running it right down their throat and not giving the defense a chance to catch their breath and that that can be a really effective one-two punch if you can do it so i i'll be intrigued to see if that happens but at the end of the day you still gotta you gotta run an offense uh that gains yards right like nobody likes to watch a fast three and out. It's just as boring as a slow three and out. Like you still gotta, <laughs> you still gotta move the chains and there is, you know, I, not to say that they're going to run like, you know, this super Mike Leach up tempo offense or whatever, but like, uh, yeah. they, you know, it, it, you have to have success with that if, uh, or else your defense is going to be on the field even longer. And that was maybe a slight saving grace these past years as much struggle as their offense has had at least when you're running the ball you're burning some clock and and saving your defense's legs a little bit if you start you know throwing a lot of incomplete passes and having 40 second drives that's uh maybe a plan you can only hold on to for so long uh before your your defense is going to bear the brunt of it yeah well brandon craig bowl be very offended that you mentioned him and mike leach in the same sentence because uh, he has made it very clear that they will never be <laughs> a Mike Leach style offense. I mean, both uh, both have lived in Wyoming, so there's <laughs> your sentence, uh, Cody native Mike Leach. Uh, yeah, I'll, I always get a kick out of that anytime. Like we ask about the passing game, or uh, you know, he, the first thing he likes to go to is, "Well, we're not, we're never, we're not going to be Mike Leach and and spread it out," which is like. Nobody expects you to throw the ball 50 times a game. <laughs> um, you just need to try to be, like, somewhat efficient in the passing game. But, um, yeah, no, no, I'm with you. It's And like I said, it, 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 I'll be interested to talk to Tim on Thursday night um, after that practice just to, just to see exactly what, what he says about that, if it matches what some of the, the, the players have talked about and if, if that's something – that he actually plans on uh, integrating as, as part of his offense. Uh, now, you mentioned them not talking about formation. Right? Yeah, I mean, good luck getting anybody within that program right now to, to talk much about mm-hmm. anything going on with the offense and, and what it's uh, going to look like in that sense. Um, I think we actually asked Ed, Ed Neverhart on Tuesday night about that, and his answer was pretty much like, I can't give away too right. much, and pretty much left it at that. So – um, yeah, they're being pretty tight-lipped about it, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they picked up the pace. Now, I don't, I don't expect them to be going out there and averaging ninety plays a game. I don't, I don't expect that at all. And maybe there's, it's a situation where you pick your your, your spots, right? Maybe to go a little up tempo. I mean, hey, let's let's mm-hmm. not huddle after if we 
pick up a first down here. Let's not huddle after this play and just get up to the line. I mean, you know, I, I, maybe there's going to be a, a mixture of, of, of huddling and, 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 and no huddle. I mean, you know, who knows? Hey, slow, slow is a tempo, technically. So, <laughs> I mean, I bet fans are happy to hear it, if nothing else. Like, it's, it's something different, um, even, like, if you're saying, even if they just pick their spots. Um, and, and I think how many – almost feels like a football trope where you'll watch an offense that's playing terribly all game until the final two minutes of the first half, and then suddenly they just look like <laughs> the greatest show on turf when they're forced to run this up-tempo style of offense, and then fans are always like, well, why don't you, why don't you do that all the time? Uh, why don't you build the whole plane out of black boxes? But, like, I, I get that it, it's not that simple, but I do think sometimes it can be a way to, to break up stagnation on offense. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, what what they've been doing the last handful of years procuring the passing game has not been working. Um, so, but to your point, I mean, regardless of what you do and how you do it, the the objective is to to move the ball and and, and put points on the board. So, Wyoming just needs to be able to do that better than they've done that, obviously, the last last two or three years. Uh, but Wyoming will have its uh, eighth practice uh, on Thursday and. It's right past the midway point of uh, spring football, and that, that spring game on May 8th will we'll be here before you know it. But, um, Brandon, let's go ahead and take a break there, and uh, when we come back, we'll uh, we'll talk some NFL draft as it turns to Wyoming. back into the postcast and now brandon i just want to do a hit on the nfl draft a little bit uh it's quickly approaching um the draft will start with the first round uh a week from thursday and then uh continue with the middle rounds on next friday and in next saturday and um yeah i don't i don't think Wyoming's gonna have any players draft i mean i would i don't know who would even be in the mix for them at, at this point to to be drafted considering, um, you know, as young as they were and the, the, the few seniors that they did have, you know, most of their probably guys that are going to get looked at the next level uh, have decided to return and take advantage of the NCAA's extra year of eligibility. So I wanted to uh, you know, just in light of this and with in the spirit of the NFL draft, wanted to take a look uh, at next year and, and who – some of Wyoming's top NFL draft prospects may be. Um, I want to start this this conversation with the disclaimer that uh, me and you are not draft analysts. We're not experts on this. We have really no idea. And I, Speak for yourself. Uh, what, um, and I have not. I mean, I have not talked to any draft analysts yet. Um, you know, when it comes to some of uh, some of the players that. Um, you know, might be drafted or some of the Wyoming players that might be in the mix to be drafted in 2022. So, I mean, th- this is, this is all just sort of somewhat educated guesses at this point. And I mean, why not? I mean, everybody else sort of, um, you know, guesses on this stuff, even people that get paid to do that. So we, this is, uh, we're just, we're just sort of a spitball in here. But, uh, I think, I think the, the list has to start with with Xavier Valaday and Chad Muma. You have uh, you have any um, disagreement with that, or anybody else? Um, no, I I I think that that I mean I think that makes sense. I think uh, running backs uh, have you know frequently a different equation as far as making the jump, just because the 
the wear and tear that they take is is viewed as so so uh, important um, compared to other positions. But yeah, I, I think those would be the the names that jump out. Um, I mean, I don't know what your read is on you know a Garrett Crawl if he's a guy who's got a, a shot as well of of uh, at least getting getting some looks if not um, hearing his name called. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I do take slight offense with. You referring to me as not a draft analyst. I mean, I have Matt Miller's cell phone <laughs> number, so uh, you know. But yeah, no, I don't, I will defer to you here on, on who are probably the the most likely uh, players to to have it shot at uh, going in the twenty twenty two draft for sure. Now, if you want to talk about like twenty eighteen, I'll I'll help you out. What are we What are you talking about from twenty eighteen? Josh Allen. Um, you know, whether Colton Donovan <laughs> will get a look at long snapper, um, you know, the, the, the Drew Van Manen prospects as a, as a, as a practice squad player. Yeah. Some quarterback thing, I guess, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, what's, uh, what, what, what's your read on, on those two players to start with as, as far as NFL prospects go? Well, you, you, you mentioned a good point about the running backs, which that was sort of why I was kind of surprised that Trey Smith decided to come back. Now, look, I mean, he's, he, he's, he hasn't been a, a, the, a, the, the primary back, I guess, on any team he's been on. I mean, he was a, he was a backup throughout his career at Louisville. He's been a backup mostly, uh, I guess, in terms of uh, the definition, you know, when you t- or the depth chart. I mean, he's been the number two back on the depth chart since he's been at Wyoming. Now it's, you know, particularly last year when, uh, you know, even before, or I should go back to even 2019, um, you know, before he suffered his, his leg injury uh, that year. I mean, it was it was sort of trending in the in the direction of, of being uh, a platoon situation with, with him and X. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he, this is now with, with the NCAA granting this extra year of eligibility and him deciding to take advantage of it. This is his seventh year in college. So by the time next year's draft rolls around, I mean, he's going to be 25, maybe by that time, 26 years old. Like it's, I mean, it, even if he had just a, a whale of a year for Wyoming, uh, you know, and rushed for a thousand yards, uh, I think only, his ceilings only going to be so high because you, you're right. I mean, this, the, the, the shelf life for NFL running backs is short. Uh, and, and, you know, if, if, mm-hmm. if, if you're in a running back in the NFL and, and you still have a significant role on a team by the time you're, you're 30 years old, you're doing really, really good. You know, it's just, it's just the wear and tear of the position and the, and the amount of hits that you take overall. So that, that's another reason why I think as long as, as X stays healthy this year and, and has another good year, um, you know, I think that's why you're, you most likely see him leave if, if he thinks he has a shot to get drafted because he's, Again, with this extra year of eligibility, he's now a fifth-year junior. So even by the time you know he, he possibly gets drafted, he'll be what 22, 23 years old. You know, running backs sort of have to have to you know speed up the process for themselves, and and that's why you, mm-hmm. you you see these a lot of guys if they have any chance of being drafted after their their junior year, they usually they usually declare and 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 you know skip out on their senior season. I do think. Um, he has a, a chance to get drafted when you consider not only what he can do on the ground, but the fact that um, he he can be maybe a three down back in, in the NFL with his ability to, to catch passes out of the backfield. Not that this is saying a whole lot considering Wyoming's leading receiver last year had 16 catches, but X was their second leading receiver last year with 13 catches. And he, he he's a, anybody that's watched when, when it's not just the fact that, you know, he can catch passes out of the backfield. What is what he can do after the run, because a lot of his catches uh, have been explosive. I mean, you remember the the, you know, the 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 game against Nevada back in 2019. I think he had more than like 250 all-purpose yards in that game. Um, in the Arizona Bowl, he had a, a couple really long uh, receptions. Um, so he's a guy that can do a little bit of everything. And then if he part of the the question for him in, in terms of sort of turning himself into a three-down back is you know is can he uh, consistently pick up the blitz and, and offer and and offer pass protection in that sense. And, you know, that's a obviously a big deal at, at any level, but particularly the NFL. I mean, if you if you can't pass block and pick up blitzes, um, you know, you, you're not going to be on the field on third down. So um, I think that that's an area where, you know, he probably has to improve a little bit. But, I mean, I just think in terms of his versatility 
and then being able to work on his his blitz pickups, I think that's good. That that makes him appealing, um, and I think he's going to generate s- some interest. Uh, and then Chad Moom is going to be a really interesting one because you know he, he this is a guy who last season was on pace for 140 something tackles. I mean, he had 72 in six games, um, led Wyoming in, in sacks. Uh, Jay Savell was actually talking on Tuesday about the fact that. Um, you know, he's one of their, maybe their best blitzer and, you know, they're going to use him a lot, uh, still going forward, uh, in that capacity. Uh, so he can do a lot of different things. He can run, um, and and look, Wyoming's coaches have been talking about Chad for a while. You know, when you play behind Logan Wilson and you're sort of buried on the depth chart of that position because he's there, it was just a matter of, of, of him being noticed. Right. And now that he's done that. Um, I just, it's going to be interesting to see because if, if, if he has a, a, if they, you know, if they play all 12, you know, if they make a bowl game, 13 games and he's sitting there again in the top five nationally in tackles, um, you know, and, 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 and you know, has 120, 140 tackles by that point, you know, it, he may have a decision to make, uh, on his future because technically he's got two years of eligibility left with the extra year that the NCAA has granted to, to all the fall sport athlete, but he could, it could be a situation where he where he plays himself into that kind of talk, and you know I, the, the easy comparison is Logan Wilson, and I do think there are a lot of similarities in their game. Um, the, the one aspect where Chad I don't think is there yet is the pass coverage and the, and being a, a three down line, true three down linebacker at this point because that that's really what by the time Logan Wilson was was a senior and coming out for the draft. I mean, that, that's what had teams sort of salivating for him. And that's why he was taken as high as he was because he had the natural coverage abilities. And that was a little bit easier for him because he had the background that, right, being a being a former mm-hmm. defensive back at Natrona County High School. Um, you know, it, it, just, it just sort of fit him more naturally. Whereas I think it, it's – and Chad's admitted this, that he has to he has to work at that a little bit more uh, in, in terms of his coverage. But um, I think he, he's got just about everything else. So, you know, if he continues to, to improve in that aspect and he gets to the point where he's being talked about as a three-down linebacker, that's got a lot of uh, weight in the NFL now considering, the, the, you know, just the type of offenses um, that, that, that teams both at the college and pro level are running. I mean, you, need, you, you don't see six-foot-five, 250, 260-pound linebackers anymore. I mean, you, you're seeing more in the, in the, you know, the, the linebacker-safety hybrids, but these guys that can – you know, they're 220, 230 pounds that can run now because you've got to because, I mean, you've got teams that are spreading you out with, with three and four receivers and, and throwing the ball all over the place. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what how, how Chad does in terms of his athleticism and speed now that he's up to, I think, about 240 pounds, coaches have said, this this offseason. Um, you know, he played last season around 225. So he's put on good 10, 15 pounds. Um, you know, that they like, they say it's good weight that he's put on. Um, you know, they expect him to be able to maintain his speed at that weight. But, um, yeah, I, I think he's a guy, you know, if he co- even comes close to what he did this season, next season, uh, yeah, I think he's going to have that choice to make sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think, I, I think just having that, uh, you know, predecessor or whatever you want to call it, that example of, hey, uh, Logan Wilson's, uh, you know, Wyoming middle linebacker came out of the system and you know I think it's right. a little early in his career to to say too definitively what his reputation is as a as a draft pick but I mean he he got on the field a whole lot as a rookie and so I think that helps uh Logan you know was a, a four-year starter maybe that gives him a slight edge there and um yeah you would you would have a real good sense having seen them play side by side, you know, the, the kind of athleticism comparisons, but, um, yeah, I, I think the kind of numbers he was putting up last year, it's going to, you know, if he, like you said, if he's anywhere near that, it's hard to imagine he's not going to get a look. So, um, you know, I, I, I guess, uh, overall defensive performance plays into it as well. Um, you know, yeah. Logan was coming off, you know, two pretty good defensive years, um, two or three maybe even three anyway like you know it, it helps if the overall defense still has a good reputation but um yeah I, i'd uh i'd imagine he's got a he's got a path that's already paved there for him and then um yeah for x i think it's interesting too you know i i uh, definitely not like a nfl scout or an expert on running backs but i wonder a little bit sometimes with the really physical runners you know if, if uh 
if that translates as well to the NFL, just when, you know, everybody there is, is a pro caliber athlete and that physicality maybe doesn't, um, you know, pay off quite the way it does in college. Um, but I, by the same token, uh, you know, if you're a speedy guy, everyone in the NFL is also faster. So, um, yeah, I think like you're saying, I think he's got enough weapons, uh, around him that, or sorry, weapons to his game that, uh, he, he's going to get, get some looks and, and yeah, with, with Trey, I think, um, we've talked about like the name may, may be enough that somebody might take a flyer on him in like seventh round or something. I don't know, or at least give him a workout, but also, uh, yeah. you know, I, I think it made sense probably for him to come back. Cause yes, the, the mileage is real when it comes to being a running back, but at, at some point you do have to have the numbers in college and I don't think he quite has them yet. So I'm, I'm not shocked to see that. Or, you know, if, if he doesn't think the NFL is where he's headed, I don't know if he's talked much about that specifically, you know, maybe he just wants to enjoy one more, uh, solid year of, of competing in college and then move on from there. I don't, I don't know what his aspirations are, but, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think, you know, I, I'll be real interested to see, uh, what X looks like in a, in a NFL offense. That's for sure. Yeah, and it's all about fit too, right? Like, I mean, you've got these different NFL teams that run different NFL or run different offenses, and so you know what one team may not see as a fit in terms of X or any other running back, uh, another team might uh, just because you know they may use a running back more that as a receiver than another team would, or you know, so so it's it's fit, and and also it, it, this is a crapshoot too because a lot of this can come down to pure testing, right? I mean, yeah, you, you see, you know, some of these prospects every year that you've never heard of, or that they think, uh, you know, he's not really a true draft prospect, and then he goes and runs a, I don't know, you know, a four three four two as a receiver or whatever, and you know, you can't you can't teach that kind of speed, or you can't teach this, you can't teach that, and so you know, and there's a lot of times where. Um, and you think about some of the smaller school players and, you know, where they go out and, and go to a, a pro day or combine and, and they test off the charts and then suddenly a team drafts them just off their potential, right? They're just this athletic freak. Well, hey, we can sort of, you know, we'll, you know, we'll, you may not be refined, but, we'll, you know, you've got the athleticism. We'll figure everything else out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, I mean, look, a big part of, of Logan getting drafted as high as, he did too was the fact he went to the, to the combine ran a four, six, um, you know, so, uh, you know, I mean, again, it's, it's sort of hard to, (laughs) it's really hard, I guess, to to sort of evaluate this, particularly when some of these guys are, might be still two years out from this. Um, but, but another guy I think could, could possibly, um, sneak, uh, into the back, uh, or the, the later rounds of the draft and, and whether it be in 2022 or 2023, is Keaton Kreider. Because I, I see a lot of, um, you know, Chase Relier in him, or, or at least he seems to be on that trajectory, right, where, uh, you know, he was a, a guy that started multiple years, mm-hmm. uh, all Mountain West guy, was really durable. I mean, Keegan is – he started all 12 games as a redshirt freshman back in 2018, and I don't – he has not missed a game since. Maybe, at least that I know of, that maybe there's one or two I'm, not, I'm not misremembering, but, I mean, he, he's been – the stalwart and, and the Mountain West best center for the last couple of years. And I, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, Brandon, but I think now, I think Chase was a guard, right? A guard center and then moved to center with, with the Redskins once he was drafted a, a few years ago. But I, I, I think I think Keegan is definitely, you know, he, he's obviously a, a talented center and, and has been durable and, and big, durable interior offensive lineman that can move people at the point of attack. I mean, th- those are attractive to every NFL team. Mm-hmm. And so – you know, I think Rullier was drafted at what the sixth round a few years ago. I mean, I, I think Keegan is, is a guy that could, uh, you know, maybe fall in that in that area, I guess, or, or part of, of the draft. Um, but you know, what's what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, and, and yeah, Chase moved to center his senior year actually at UW. They um, okay. moved him over, and and you know, NFL teams definitely seem to like that versatility and. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, similar with, with Logan and Chad, there, you know, it, it doesn't hurt when you can point to a guy who's succeeding in the NFL. And, and Chase, you know, I, I, we'll see if we ever get to a point uh, like this with a Wyoming quarterback, but uh, Chase is a real easy person to point to and be like, hey, he's a, 
he's done great out of Wyoming. Let's not overthink it and draft the next Chase Rulier. Uh He's done he's done great for himself uh, in Washington, and um, I mean I I I, I uh, covered uh, Keegan some, but I had probably more familiarity with Chase, and so I I don't know if you can speak to this, but you know Chase was just also just like an extremely smart human being. I mean like doing crazy. Uh, I forget exactly what type of science, uh, but he he was like an all world. Uh, student as well and I think teams you know uh, loved seeing that and it certainly seemed to translate to his uh, ability to to uh, be at the center of an offense but yeah I mean I think uh, this offensive line is obviously uh, done a really good job at least in the run game the last few years um, and you know center I, I think is a, not a, a bad position to be at um, in college to show that you can um, you know you can handle the ball so uh, I don't know. Yeah, I I think um, I'm not shocked to see the uh, that as as a possibility just with how they've recruited offensive linemen over the last five years. I think they brought in a lot of big boys, and you know they've uh, yeah. you know it, they come in with uh, NFL size frames, if not you know fully built uh, as far as you know getting in the weight room and everything. So um, it makes sense that that uh, at least one of them would would pan out and move on to the next level. So, um, yeah, I think uh, if, if the run game continues to put up those huge numbers, um, and obviously if the if the offense in general can uh, prove itself a little bit more and if it can address some of the issues in pass protection, you know, all those things will help. But, um, you know, I, th- I think when you're looking at a six foot four, 309-pound guy as Keegan's listed, you know, uh, that's, that's NFL size. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's a good point. I was just about to mention, it's not like he's some sawed-off dude in the middle of their offensive line. That's some, you know, mm-hmm. former walk-on who's sort of overachieving uh, and a real feel-good story. And, I mean, he's, yeah, he is NFL size. He has a prototypical uh, body type for an interior NFL offensive lineman. But uh, to your point about, about you know, intellect, I mean, I, I don't – you're not playing center in college football or basically any level of football and being dumb. Uh, without you know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff the average fan doesn't realize in terms of the responsibility of that position, what all goes into it. Uh, you know, you're having to make checks at the line, you're having to uh, call out, you know, point out blitzers, call, call out the fronts, you know, change the, the protection or slide the protection. I mean, that, that most of that usually falls on the center. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of information, particularly pre snap, that, that that guy has to process and. Very intellectually, uh, I, I don't. I don't think there's any doubt that he would be able to handle, um, you know, the, the mental part of of the the NFL game. But uh, so, some other guys that that I think are are intriguing. You mentioned Garrett Crawl and another guy that has that body type. I mean, six foot five, two hundred forty pounds. Uh, I think if you're an NFL team, you, you want to see some of those sack numbers increase. I think the, the most he's had is is six and a half in a season while he's been at Wyoming. Um, now he, he, he's another guy that sort of dealt with some injury, some nagging injuries throughout his career. Um, so it's been hard for him to stay healthy. You know, he, they only played six games last year, but he even missed half of those recovering from a, from a foot injury in the off season. So, um, you know, if he can stay healthy and, and bump up those sack totals some, uh, yeah, I think he's another guy that absolutely could get a look. Um, Isaias Gandy, the safety, is another intriguing guy because he, he's he's talking about a guy with a prototypical body type. I mean, six foot one, right around two hundred pounds for a safety. Um, you know, Jay Savell has mentioned him the other day as, as as another one of their better blitzers. And you know, if anybody's followed Wyoming football, um, you know, safety play in their defense is uh, those two have sort of gone hand in hand just in terms of the productivity. Uh, and then, you know, there's obviously a recent pipeline. You know, you talk about Marcus Epps, uh, Andrew Wingard, um, even Tyler Hall, just in terms of secondary guys that have gone to the NFL in recent years. Uh, Elijah Halliburton, even though he wasn't drafted. And as far as I know, I don't think he's um, on an NFL roster right now. But, you know, his only season as a starter a couple of years ago, he led the Mountain West in tackles. So, you know, Isaiah Scandy put up some some pretty good stats um, in his first year as a full-time starter last season. And, and he'll be back. I think he's a – He's a guy that, that that could possibly you know catch some eyes in the NFL and, and at least intrigue them. And then their corners to me are really intriguing. CJ Colden and ZZ Hearn, uh, long, lanky guys on the outside, particularly CJ. I mean, he's listed at six foot one. 
you know, that's, again, <laughs> we're talking about prototypical size. I mean, that, that, that that's it for an NFL cornerback. And he just looks so much yeah. bigger than that. I mean, he's just long and rangy. You know, they, they, they have a lot of guys who, I, I don't know if they're going to get drafted, but they sort of have those those body types to at least project to a point where, you know, you could certainly see some NFL teams saying, hmm, let's, let's, let's take a look at this, particularly um, with some of the recent history um, that Wyoming has had at some of these positions in terms of putting guys in the league. Yeah, and even safety, if you want to go back further, like Chris Prasinski and Tayshawn Gibson, if I'm not mistaken, are both safeties yeah. from Wyoming in the NFL as well. Or I think Prasinski might be retired now, but, um, you know, safety you right there. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's also cr- crazy that, um, you know, I think if I'm remembering correctly that Isaias and, and uh, Xavier are both even getting talked about here. Just, you know, it, I think it's a testament to Wyoming's recruiting because I remember when both those guys committed, they were, they were like the types of players who didn't have their face on a, a profile page yet, you know, like on rivals or whatever, <laughs> yeah, like right. no stars, no, no, uh, you know, just a gray outline like that. They were just, uh, on nobody's radar so for them to to find guys uh, and i'm sure we'll talk about this uh more especially you know if, if valde has another huge year but like i mean diamonds in the rough for sure for those those two guys to to come from that and and be even on the nfl discussion and yeah i mean i i think in general i mean i'm a little bit just this is a theory off the cuff i'd have to go back and look but i feel like the couple of years when when wyoming had these players in this range that kind of you're talking about you know maybe not going to get a combine invite but might get a look at a at a workout or maybe get to a practice squad like I feel like with most of them they were guys who you know played fairly well because Wyoming was coming off a division winning season um and you could point to on-field success but maybe not like guys who were prototypes right as far as like NFL size at, at their various positions and I think now for that to be the case with some of these guys, that's, that's another problem. I think a, a testament to recruiting that they're, um, they're bringing in, you know, players who's, who's, uh, by the time they get out, especially, you know, their physique is, is, uh, right on paper with the power five players. So I think, um, you know, that's, uh, again, I, it, that's my loose recollection, at least as I'm trying to think back to like the guys who got workouts, but not combine invites. Um, it wasn't like, I was like, oh, he's he's obviously going to get an invite because he's 6'5", 250 pounds. You know, I, I think it, you're seeing that a lot more now than you were maybe at the beginning of Bulls' tenure. Yeah. Um, okay, Brandon, so do you want to uh, take a stab and put out a prediction as to who the next Wallman football player drafted will be? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, you don't have to. I'm just asking. I... I'm trying to think if I can think of anything more creative than just saying the two front runners <laughs> that we've already said. Um, yeah, I mean, I th- I think that um, I mean with with uh, Valade, I mean Mumo would have to come out early, right, to to beat Valade. So maybe X is uh, po- possibly. I mean, it depends on when they'd want. to Yeah, the, I, I mean, they both technically have two years of eligibility left. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say X because I think you know him being a running back uh, lends itself to him leaving sooner, and uh, yeah, I think he's he's had the college career where he's gonna get a look somewhere even if it's in the you know day three range. So I'm gonna say X. Oh, I'm with you. Um, I'm picking chalk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. I, I do think Chad Moomer right now is the best NFL prospect on their roster, but I, I do think X will will be the next player drafted or the first one drafted um, because he is a year older because, again, he is a fifth-year junior, whereas um, Chad's uh, a fourth-year junior now with this extra year of eligibility because he hasn't redshirted yet. Um, so, and, and like I said, the, like we were talking about earlier, um, it's just – there's I guess there's more urgency um, on, on for running backs to, you know, if they have any chance to get drafted to go ahead and, and go out just because the – you know the the the, the, mile, the tread on those tires wears down pretty quick, uh, particularly in the NFL. So mm-hmm. that that I, yeah, I'm going to take the safe pick two and go X. But man, I I would not be shocked if if Chad Muma has a, just another huge year and and uh, and and is a guy who declares early and 
Uh, would, 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 by the way, who's the last player before Josh Allen at Wyoming to declare early <laughs> and come out early for the draft? Uh, well, it'd be Brian Hill the year before, or two years before. Okay. Yeah, he got drafted two years. Uh, wait, I'm sorry. He got drafted in 2017 then, right? So, um, Well, he left after his junior year? Yeah, so Brian, okay. you know, I think in a very similar boat. Yeah, it was, it, they were back-to-back years. I think in a very, very similar boat to uh, to X as far as, you know, being a very proven running back. I mean, I don't know where X is, especially with the funkiness of last year on as far as, like, Wyoming all-time numbers. But Brian yeah. had proven everything. He'd set the single-season record twice. He'd set the career record, and he was getting a lot of mileage on him, so – um, and, and again, like a physical running back left early, you know, uh, got flack from it as players sometimes do for leaving early, but he's, he's still in the NFL and he was getting, you know, I was occasionally looking at him in fantasy football last year and other, uh, people picked him up ahead of me. So like he's, he's relevant in the NFL all these years later and he's made a career for himself. So, um, you know, he hasn't had like maybe the career chase has, but, um, I think he's a pretty decent uh comparison for for x yeah no i was asking because it's, just, it's rare particularly yeah. for the players at group of five level to, to declare early i mean it has to just be a unique situation like in josh allen's case where you're a top 10 pick or or brian's case where you're you know you're, you you've set all the the rushing records at your school mm-hmm. and, and, you, and your stock's really not going to get any higher than that so you basically yeah. struck while the iron's hot yeah, and I laughed because I before I thought of Brian, I, I thought the answer was going to be Brett Smith. And, you know, uh, Wyoming fans still bemoan the fact that he left a year early thinking that he had a good shot at getting drafted and then wound up in the CFL. And I think they definitely would have uh, would have liked to have him around for Craig Bowles' first year. be yeah. interesting to uh, see where, where things would have gone if that had been the case. But, alas. Yeah. Well, I mean, then that, that's the thing too. You, you just you never. Everybody's situation is different, and you know, even if you're not even sure if you're going to get drafted, maybe it's best for you to move on from school. I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, every, you know, everybody has different circumstances, but um, I think I think Chad could be the next guy that that has the decision make when it comes to hey, mm-hmm. dude, you know, am I going to come early out? Or am I going to come out early or not? And you just don't you don't see that a whole lot yeah. at, at the group of five level, so. Yeah, it'll uh, it'll be interesting. And but uh, speaking of, of the NFL draft and this year's NFL draft, Brandon, did you uh, do you see what the Philadelphia Eagles uh, did in terms of uh, some of the players are thinking about drafting? Um, you, uh, full transparency, no. But you just told me about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, go so, ahead and yeah, I, I have a a similar story. But go ahead and and uh, give give the folks the news. Yeah. Well, so th- this is all in the spirit of um, of overreaction season, always being in full swing um, every time the NFL draft rolls around. But uh, I, I saw this on, on Pro Football Talk, but uh, the Eagles coach, uh, Nick Sirianni, and their general manager, Howie Roseman, um, had a press conference on Wednesday where they talked about how they played paper, rock, scissors with some of their the draft prospects they're interested in, you know, during the, the, the pre-draft process and their interview process um, to gauge their competitiveness. Yeah. And I, like, I, what is that? I don't, like, look, I understand NFL teams want to turn over every single rock. They, they want to do every si- Every single paper, yes. every single scissor. <laughs> Good one. Um but we didn't plan that, folks. No, we didn't. Um, you know, I, they want to do every single bit. Of, I get it. They want to do all their homework on this on these guys. You're investing a lot of time, a lot of money into the future of your franchise. Cool. But what does that even mean? Like, are, are they like if 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 you if you're the coach or the GM, <laughs> you're like it's a, so. I'm just trying to envision this whole scenario in my head. Um, but like, if, if you put down like uh scissors and the prospect puts down paper if they don't like just throw a full temp you know 10 year old temper tantrum and throw a fit like are you eliminating them from your draft board because that you don't see them as being competitive like this just seems crazy to me yeah i i don't know if i'm a gm i'm I'm not drafting anyone who picks paper that's you know you're off my board no uh (laughs) this reminds me of when i was covering the draft when when josh was going through that process there was like a storyline that year when 
I, some player made a, a big headline, uh, but I think they also um, did this with Taven Bryan, who came uh, out of Florida, but by way of uh, the Toronto County High School, where he had said that a team uh, had a staring contest with him and uh, <sighs> similar similar effect. I think this is a case where like there are some businesses for sure, some fields. I think the NFL and most pro leagues might fit this, where there's just like too many people. Like too many people have jobs with these teams. They don't need. They don't. Not all. Too many, of them co- have too many cooks one, in the kitchen. One job's worth of yeah, like responsibilities. And someone's like, man, I gotta think. I gotta think of something to justify the salary. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna rock paper scissors. Everyone, shoot. I mean, I to to read it very charitably. I think it's possible that. Uh, and I'll give some people an insight here if anyone ever wants to apply for a job in the Star Tribune newsroom. But uh, our editor Josh Wolfson will sometimes ask people in job interviews what their favorite cereal is and. Not because we're not going to hire someone who says uh, Cheerios, but because it's a way to like get someone to think on their feet and you know to get see how they react to a, a question they might not have been expecting. So you know yeah. maybe in a very very charitable way, that's what they're going for. It's just to hey, I'm going to ask something really weird and see how a player adjusts. But I I, I don't know even why that is quite as relevant. Like on a football field compared to, you know, being a journalist where you have to interview people. And yeah, I don't know. I, I think it definitely is more likely just a stupid thing. Yeah. But like even, like, but, but we're, if we're talking about in terms of, of trying to gauge competitiveness, like seriously, like, I mean, what, what's like, is he supposed to throw a temper tantrum? Is that, is that how you're supposed to know that he actually cares about losing? Like, I don't, I, I, don't I think under, what you're supposed to do this. is, have you ever played rock, paper, scissors? And it's, it seems like this happens a lot, but the same, you, you and the other person throw the same thing like three times in a row. And then it's like a mini game of chicken. You're yeah. just like going straight rock. And you're like, all right, who's going to break? Maybe like, they're just like, yeah, I want, I want the guy who was going to throw 40 straight rocks and be like, no, you change. Maybe, maybe. That's <laughs> uh, side note, are you a rock, paper, scissors person or a rock, paper, scissors, uh, shoot person? I mean, I, I can't tell you the last time I played rock, paper, scissors as an, as an adult. Um, Apparently you uh, yeah, let, let had a, to decide who was going to take the dog out between yeah. you and your girlfriends. Or, well, or maybe I just, <laughs> I've never made a visit to the Eagles front office. Um, true. Yeah, I don't, I mean, the last, what I can remember, my vague memory of it is I do rock, paper, scissors, shoot, but. Um, I wonder if it's a regional thing. Yeah, I'm a definitely, you, you throw on scissors where I come from. I just, I, it's like, like stop overthinking this stuff. Like, <laughs> did, like did, did did this this player who's played football all his life and you know has played against you know if it's a you know a player from a power five school has played against some of the best competition you know in the country like is that not enough to show you that they're competitive about this and probably want to go out there and, and and win games and do this for a living? Like I don't. It's just I don't know. Like I said, it's it's every year. It's something whether it be like Wonderlick scores or yeah, <laughs> crazy questions at the combine. It's just like you're doing way too much. Feels yeah. like yeah. Well, I I probably didn't help that the player I remember having like quote unquote competitiveness questions uh, on the most high profile scale recently was Josh Rosen, um, and that didn't that hasn't panned out very well so far. So maybe that. <laughs> reinvigorated them to uh you know uh double down on <laughs> that being a real trait you can evaluate by any means possible yeah i don't know it just it, it always strikes me as odd uh yeah or they year. just want like psychopaths like i want <laughs> i want to draft a guy who will like punch me in the face if he loses rock paper scissors like yeah i don't know maybe maybe that makes for a good uh football player doesn't mm. seem super healthy or or headbutt me uh, without a helmet on oh there you go uh, yeah. Got to get a little blood going. All right, Brandon, I think we're uh, I think we're done here. Um, one quick programming note before we get out of here. Uh, we may not have a podcast next week. Uh, I'm actually in the process of moving to a different place here in Laramie and I've got to uh, I've got to finalize that next week. So, um, that's going to be taking up a lot of my time. So, um, yeah, it's probably looking like at this point we probably won't have one. But uh, if we don't, um, we will still have all of our 
coverage at uh, trib.com and pokesauthority.com. And we'll definitely be back the week after, um, you know, before Wyoming's spring football game on May 8th to uh, talk a little bit about that and preview that. Um, but as always, be sure to check out all of our coverage at trib.com, pokesauthority.com. Um, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Pokes Authority. You can follow me on Twitter at Davis B. Potter. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at bfoster91. Um, this podcast is on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Omni. So be sure to uh, subscribe, download it, give us that five-star rating. Uh, you can also find this podcast on our website at the Pokescast link, which is updated each time a new episode is published. Uh, Brandon, appreciate you joining me as always. Appreciate all of you guys listening. And uh, we will talk to you again soon. Visit.